Maybe you felt chills or goosebumps. Perhaps it's an overwhelmed feeling of something bigger than you or more complex. Whatever the feeling, God put the response in your soul as a reminder of His presence, power, and glory. It's called awe, and He wants to remind us of it every day in many ways. Join us as we discover how God has used His awe to inspire others to follow Him deeper in their lives. Well, today we are doing a special version of In Awe by Bruce on the film Innovation Race, Fighting to Protect Patent Rights. Now, why are we doing this? Well, number one, because God made us in his image. We are his image bearers, and he made us creative just like him. And one of the best ways to express that is openly and allowing people to take credit and own their own creation, which is point number two. Our founding fathers protected that right strongly in the Constitution, creating America really as the center in the last century of the world for patents and new ideas. And thirdly, the altering of this process that they set up has happened, and the results are actually crushing. So today, to give us an overview and some insight into this is James Edwards. He's a Christian, founding and executive director of Conservatives for Property Rights, and he is the patent advisor for the Eagle Forum Education and Legal Defense Fund. Good morning, James, and welcome to In Awe by Bruce. Good morning, Bruce, and thanks for having me. Great to be on your show. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and I want to ask you right off the bat, I gave a couple of reasons why I feel this is important, especially for Christians to hear. Anything else you want to add to it or expand on? At this point, no. I think you hit the fundamentals. I mean, it's about the creativity that God has, the ownership of what he creates, and then the fact that he endows in his highest creation, human beings, those who are the only ones who are his image bearers or endow those same creative and ownership privileges or qualities and really where it leads to the foundation of the U.S. patent system. Now, maybe this is a loaded question, but now maybe you could uh, tell us when the alteration of our system happened and how that has changed it to hurt us. Well, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, began a, a trend of a lot of it was already underway. But, you know, globalization was really a key goal of policy in the United States and elsewhere, including in our government. And so the move for government and large industry, especially, you know, the multinationals who have business operations around the world, it kind of makes sense from their perspective to make things more harmonized, more similar in terms of patent systems and trade systems and other economic uh, and, and legal systems. It's part of a trend and it, much of it well-intentioned, but along those lines came the, uh, the changes to the patent system to harmonize ours and foreign countries' patent systems. The downside for that is the way they went about it was really to adjust our system with qualities and characteristics of foreign systems, which many of our view has been that the U.S. patent system was the superior patent system mm -hmm. because it's based on property rights and clear title reliability of your patents, whereas other countries didn't really have that property rights underpinning mm -hmm. at the base of it. And so the changes made were really to adopt features from foreign countries into our system rather than raising their system 
two hours. So we kind of, to put it a little bit more pointedly, we dumbed down our system to be more like theirs. And lo and behold, others have started really kind of strengthening their patent systems Uh-oh. the direction we used to be. So uh, that includes China doing so. Okay. So that's kind of the morass we've set up for ourselves. So what, uh, you know, I know a big event that really hurt the system happened around 2011. Yes. In 2011, Congress enacted a pretty substantial patent law, which made many of these kinds of changes I was just talking about, more harmonization of our system with foreign systems. And one of those features is uh, making it where patents can be administratively challenged. Now, there's always been some kind of re-examination process or long has been re-examination process at the patent office because it's a human endeavor. And so after the fact, there may come to light an invention that already was in existence and this isn't really that novel or it's too obvious to Mm -hmm. someone who's a skilled expert in that field that they will recognize something is not really the quality and novelty to make it patentable. So you do see invalidation of patents at the patent office and have for a long time, but before it had been a proceeding between the inventor or patent owner and the patent office. Mm-hmm. And now what you have is a, a an adversarial thing. So that means And the way it's set up in the 2011 law, the America Invents Act, is that anybody, there's no standing requirement. It's not like you have to be party to a patent infringement claim or something. It's anybody can come forward and challenge your patent. And the way that it operates in uh, practically is your patent is never has quiet title. You are always at risk of somebody coming and challenging the validity of your patent and trying to get it wiped out. So that's the gist of it. And I can drill down more on the particulars of that process called the Patent Trial and Appeal Board, but Mm -hmm. uh, it's really the thing that has made quiet title go out the window with American U.S. patents. That's unfortunate because that quiet title is what you need on any form of property. You couldn't build a building on your empty lot if you didn't have quiet title to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, tell us more about this group that oversees this. Well, the Patent Trial and Appeal Board is kind of a quasi-judicial administrative body in the patent office. It holds proceedings which are a far cry from what you would go through if your patent was challenged or you sued someone for infringing your patent and then they made a counterclaim that your patent's not valid, or at least in part. Mm-hmm. And if that's, if that's going on in a federal court, you have due process, you have rules, you have standing requirements. So not just anybody can, can challenge you. It's got to be somebody who has a vested interest in the matter and that technology. And so it's always been part of the patent system is is litigation over the 19th century it developed. And Mm -hmm. you get to the middle and end of the 19th century and and looking at the Edison's and versus Tesla and, and Westinghouse, 
if you look at uh, all the great inventors, the Wright brothers against many others were frequently in litigation over their patents. And the reason is, it's a fight over valuable property. It's not just the fact that, that it's courts and lawyers and all this stuff. It's the fact that this is the only way you have to defend your property. There's no patent police you can call. It's not a criminal offense. It's only if you want to fight for your patent rights and to preserve your patent, you go to a federal court. And then under the America Invents Act and the Patent Trial and Appeal Board regime of the past 10 or 20 years, you've got where anybody can challenge you there too. And it can be parallel, it can be simultaneous, you're in both court and PTAB or um, multiple proceedings it, or serial proceedings. It's so open to abuse. And if you were to look at the statistics, it's about 30% of the patent claims, which are the particular line items within a patent, mm -hmm. uh, about 30% are invalidated in a federal court proceeding if it's, if it's adjudicated in a real court. Mm -hmm. If PTAB accepts the request, the petition for a PTAB review, then it's 84% of the patent claims are invalidated at PTAB. That's oh all God. because of the rules that they have set up, the procedures they have set up that is so biased in one direction and anti-patent owner. So as you look at who's abusing this system, if I can use that word, hopefully that's not too strong. But No, no, that's... That's exactly that correct. <laughs> what what uh, there's got to be people out there that are taking advantage of this for their own good. Who are they, <laughs> or what groups do that and can afford to do that? It's the well-established incumbents in high-tech type fields, technologies. It boils down to U.S. big tech, and that's capital B and capital T, like Apple, Google. Cisco, Facebook, but then you've got foreign entities, including Chinese companies, ZTE and Huawei and Lenovo. You've got foreign countries, national champions from South Korea, like Samsung and LG. So the top 20, and there's a chart, and I believe it was created by the uh, Innovation Alliance and available on their website, but the Innovation Alliance top 20 list. I mean, it's a who's who of big incumbents frequently charged with uh, patent infringement, and they just counter by running to PTAB. So they're the frequent flyers at PTAB. You've got Samsung bringing 700 petitions in 2012 to 2021. Wow. That's number one. Down to 20th is Lenovo, and they filed 103 in that time period. So you're talking about entities that are really gaming the system because they can get an advantage. One is that they're likely to win at PTAB, and two is that they're draining resources, time, human resources, financial resources, away from the, the startups and early stage companies that have the new technology that they're fighting to get commercialized. Mm -hmm. So they can use it as a tool to just tie you up and drain your coffers so you don't have a chance to uh, really maximize your commercialization efforts. As they crush people's souls, 
<laughs> you might say. And their and their property. Yeah. How much does it cost to run through that whole process? Typically, you know, five or six hundred thousand dollars. Which everybody, especially startups, I'm sure, have in their back pocket. Sure. Yes. All of them. Sorry, Piece I'm being sarcastic cake. here. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm joining you in that. <laughs> so Okay, so it's just completely wipes out what they have, and the big companies push them around and and basically take what they've come up with. Yes, there's a phenomenon practice that's developed as things have gone downhill over the past 20 years with respect to the strength of our patent system, um, and it's called efficient infringement. Another more pointed term is predatory infringement. I prefer that one. <laughs> yeah, sounds more realistic. <laughs> it's it's more accurate, really. Yeah, uh, it's infringe first, sue later. Uh. So infringe on whoever's. You don't care about whether you infringe. So, uh, for instance, it's not like Amazon's going to uh, do a, a freedom to operate check before infringing. They're going to go ahead and pretend that they want to be partners with Sonos, the uh, wireless speaker startup. Then they just turn around after they get all the technological details and specifications and are able to produce a knockoff under the Amazon brand. That's what they did. Amazon just infringed outright against uh, Sonos's speakers. That's just one of countless examples. Oh, boy. Let's expand this a little bit then. So now let's go around the world. And now who has the best patent system going? Well, there are high qualities in some European courts. Germany is particularly strong, unfortunately, for America. Uh, China has strengthened its system. Now, oh. it's strengthened in one particular way, is that it's strengthened in a lot of respects in terms of getting an injunction against infringers, getting punitive damages against infringers, the right to uh, get a, a patentability is more like ours used to be. Our patent eligibility has been diminished by a number of court rulings. So in a host of ways, uh, China's strengthened its system, it's, you know, it's copied our Baidol technology transfer law, basically, which ours still works pretty well, but, um, but there are parties trying to weaken the Baidol system as well in the U.S. But China does, and this was reported on just recently in the Wall Street Journal, China uses its courts to favor Chinese companies that are patent holding against uh, foreign U.S. or European companies that are trying to, to enforce their patent rights in China. So it's a one-sided deal. It's if you're Chinese in China, you're likely to prevail. If you're an, uh, an American or European country uh, company, then you're less likely <laughs> to uh, prevail, even yeah. on the merits. <laughs> oh, as I understand it, the Chinese probably are still stealing our secrets in different ways. Oh uh, yes, that's still part of the game plan. Okay, that's, that's part of the playbook. But at the theft, same time, IP they, theft. They've strengthened their own system to look more like ours was and protect those things against yes. anybody foreign. Exactly. <sighs> so it's it's uh, it's IP theft. It's copying. It's uh, a biased regulatory system. Part of the playbook is 
using competition laws or antitrust laws as if exercising your, and let me just back up for one yeah. second. Just to be clear, what a patent does, it gives someone who proves that their invention is new, is useful, that is that it works and that it's not obvious, which is a term of art about the invention and its nature. If it's new, useful and non-obvious, then it is um, something that's patentable. So what that patent gets you is the right to exclude the right to exclude others from the newly created property hmm. that you created and all the patent office really is doing if they do it legitimately is ascertaining the new useful non-obvious aspect and that is to say to define that this is in fact new property that did not exist before and to define the parameters. What are the boundary lines of this property? So it's like somebody going and, and getting real property, they're gonna get a surveyor to, to mark out the boundary lines of the property. So this is it's the right to keep people off of your property. Mm -hmm. uh, James, if I'm listening to this and I'm an inventor or somebody who likes to create different things, is there much hope for me? What do I do? There is hope. You know, by and large, many people still are able to get patents, and it's not the majority of patents that are going to be challenged in PTAB or invalidated. Patents that are brought into PTAB tend to be the highest value. So it's something okay. that's really groundbreaking. It's really a new technology. It's something that is high. It really meets a, a high value need, something like a cancer therapy or a um, technology that makes wireless communication work on a phone, a cell phone, or on mm -hmm. through your car. All these technologies and devices and products we have from our cars to our homes to everything else increasingly are smart, quote unquote. Uh, yeah. They have microchips in them. They're, they're able to manage on your cell phone. You can manage while you're on vacation the temperature at your home if you want, um, right. things like that. So the more that that is in place, those are high value. They run on the 5G network that's recently uh, rolled out for wireless technology. That's the new set of standards. If yours is adopted as a standard, as the invention that the world's 5G is going to run on, then that's going to be pretty valuable. That's going to be you know, in the billions of dollars what it's worth. So that's why these patents that are here are really the highest value yeah. uh, patents. It's not just uh, something that's fairly incremental on something that already exists. And it's not just simply an improvement on a low dollar device that you can find a replacement for 10 bucks at Walmart or whatever. So. Mm -hmm. Are things changing at all? Or how is it being looked at by Washington? Are they ignoring this? Is there any group at all that's saying, yeah, we need to change back to where we were? What's going on in Washington with all this? Well, there are bipartisan members who have grave concerns about the changes that have been made. Some would like to reverse things and go back to the pre-America Invents Act regime. I'm in that camp personally. 
But mm -hmm. on the other hand, there are those who think there's some merit in a PTAB. It just needs to be corrected so that it, it reined in so that it's not biased. Yeah. But it is truly what the intention was to be faster, cheaper alternative to the federal court. Uh -huh. If that were the case, that would be different, but it's certainly not that at this yeah. point. So some want to make those changes. There are lawmakers doing that. There are former Patent and Trademark Office directors, both from the Obama administration and the Trump administration, who were vocal about the need to, to address this. Congress had some hearings on PTAB, both in the Senate and the House. There's legislation that's periodically sequentially been introduced the Stronger Patents Act by Senator Chris Coons in the <laughs> Senate and, and previously by Steve Stivers, House member from Ohio until he retired to run the state chamber of commerce, I think it was. He actually was my representative. <laughs> Good <Right> guy. <laughs> uh, I mean, he had a passion for this, and I think he still does, but he just has a different hat he's wearing. Right. But... There is an outcry, and there are a lot of uh, initially successful startup examples that go through the grinder of a PTAB and have gotten chewed up and abused, and the victims of big tech and foreign national champions from China and elsewhere that are the examples being given. I gave the example of Sonos, but I mean, yeah. look at uh, Centripetal Networks has a cybersecurity technology and had been infringed by Cisco. They won in federal court, and then the federal circuit on appeal threw out their win, which was a $3 billion award of wow. damages. Wow. And that includes punitive damages, but that got thrown out on a technicality. So they're a little, only 10 years old or so, and uh, just recent years making it to the market, and having great success. So that's the kind of high value technology and innovation that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And somebody like Cisco can come wipe them out just that's by right. infringing first and you know, exercising the predatory infringement model. And yeah, that's the kind of mess, but it resonates with more and more people. The more of those examples of the centripetals of the world, um, the Sonoses of the world becoming victim of the big guy. Yeah. Right before we close up here, was hoping you could just tell us one last thing, and that's where can we see, can we still see the movie The Innovation Race, which if you're listening, is a great, it's a great movie, goes over all this. It's only maybe an hour and a half at the most. Also, where else can we find more information on this to follow this if we're interested? Certainly. The Innovation Race is a documentary that is very well done. It tells the story of basically the race for being the innovation leader of the world, and it basically between the US and China. So it tells that story. It includes some focus on PTAB. There was a first film called Invalidated, which was all about PTAB about three or four years ago. And this in innovation race kind of widens the camera shot. So you see a much broader perspective on this competitiveness innovation competition. And you can find this presently on the Salem streaming system, which is SalemNow.com. S-A-L-E-M-N-O-W.com. And is there 
any other websites like, for instance, yours or anybody's that uh, people can go to? Yes, I'll mention both the website and the Twitter feed for Conservatives for Property Rights. We're very much into the patents, particularly, but other IP and other across-the-board property rights issues. But uh, the Conservatives for Property Rights website is property-rts, which is short for rights, obviously, property-rts.org. And our Twitter feed, which has frequently has items on other groups and other experts' things, as well as our own relating to the patent policy debates and information. And our Twitter is at number four property rights, at four property rights, four being a number. Gotcha. Just writing this down. Okay. Excellent. Well, James, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for enlightening us on this and how important it is. We just pray for your continued efforts and strengths and things to get turned around here. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate being on your show and appreciate your audience attention on this. All right. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, we'll keep keep an eye on what keeps happening. It's high stakes. (laughs) It is. It is high stakes. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right. We'll see you. All right.